Women Voices Season. Not uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. <laughs> Come on, laugh, laugh. How y'all doing? I'm doing well, Dr. K. How are you? You know, I'm cool. I'm here. I'm blessed. I'm anointed. Favorite. Ooh. Highly favored. Listen, here. All right, for those who are tuning in for the first time, um, I need you to go back and listen to seasons one, two, three, and four. Uh, But nonetheless, you're here. We are in season five of Black Women Voices podcast i am one of your co-hosts dr k and i am dr ann yes (laughs) and i am dr valerie yes yes we all good doctors (laughs) not the good doctors the good doctors that needs to be a show the good doctors right that is a show (laughs) so season five here's my first thought I know from a spiritual space that five means grace. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you mm-hmm. think, okay, <laughs> I'm going to let you wallow in the spirit right there. Okay. That gave me pause. Let me go around. I, I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. You, let, let's yeah, go five, five means grace. And so when you think about this being season five, of Black Women Voices, talking to Black women, talking amongst ourselves about just our journeys, uh, more particularly through higher ed, working in higher ed. When you think about the grace of it all, mm, what comes to mind? What is the grace within Black womanhood? That's a deep, you're starting us off with some deep questions, Dr. K. (laughs) It wouldn't be me. It would not be you. The grace. Uh, hmm. Dr. V, you got something to start off with? I think for me, in this age that I'm at, um, I've been in higher ed for almost actually 16 years. Um, and I think for me, it's about giving myself grace when there sometimes feels like I won't give myself grace. So in times when I want to be hard on myself where, you know, I'm like, well, why don't I know how to do that? Or why, like, why am I still struggling in that? Or why, you know, the issues of comparison? I mean, we've, we've, we've spoken about so many things and, you know, in these previous podcasts, but I think one of the things that I really struggle with early on, because now, although I'm in student affairs, I'm on the faculty side of the house was the idea of comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at, you know, what everybody else was doing and publishing and all of that and trying to not feel this sense of well, what am I doing, you know, and, and, but also giving myself grace that where I'm at, the space that I'm at, the people who I'm with, all of that is purposed. Yeah. I am in the season. I am in the time I'm in the space where I should be. And I need to make sure that I breathe and I take my space in and not immediately think about onto the next, right. but to give myself grace that where I'm at is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that at least this year, um, I'm trying to kind of begin with the new mindset and, and instead of kind of looking at folks and things in comparison, celebrating um, like, well, God, you know, like, that's awesome. Like, that's awesome. Thank you. You know, sending immediately sending a congratulations to somebody when they post something or whatever, and not feeling as if I'm not living up to whatever expectation I've set in myself. So that's how I'm seeing the grace piece. Yes. That's good. I love it. <laughs> that's good. I guess for me, I, I go to a place of shedding. I feel Mm. like there has been for me at least the last couple years have been some some straight shedding moments where people I thought were gonna be here ain't right you Mm. know things that I thought were gonna be mainstays in my life aren't you know and just dealing with you know regulating my own emotions behind and around those things 
and and I think all while navigating higher education as the space, yeah. you know, all while showing up for, you know, students and my staff and figuring out how to also show up for myself in those moments, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the shedding process was very hard. You now you ask God for things and then he gives them to you, but like they're not the way that you asked him <laughs> like god send mm-hmm. me in my life that are critical for my success and remove those that are detrimental to my destiny and then he gets to doing stuff and then you know it was like but wait a minute i didn't think it was going to be those people or those things or that stuff right. you know and and just kind of just i think also in a way of just choosing grace for myself over guilt um grace over guilt that's that's something that um dr k linder says um in her podcast and just like she's a coach in higher ed and she says it a lot like what are you choosing grace over guilt and i you know i cho- i definitely choose grace i definitely choose grace you know god makes no mistakes things happen because they need to happen and i think that for me you know, just, just, just doing that. And I think the other part is like one of those, one of those straight shedding moments was my grandmother. And I, after you finish your dissertation, you have this period of like, what just happened? And then, then you go into a period of, oh my God, look at all that I missed. And I don't think I ever took the time to quite understand what it meant to lose her um, in the midst of that process. And then to lose who I now recognize as like my best friend. Like I lost my grandmother and my grandmother was my best friend. So there's just all of these like shedding moments that I'm just, whew, this has been some good time. We've been away for a while. So this has been a good time to just kind of figure those pieces out. Yeah. When I think about, we've been doing this since what, uh, 2019, April, 2019. Mm -hmm. yep and I think about all the episodes the topics and then even outside of the podcast you know life and for me when I think about grace within my black womanhood it is now the foundation of everything that I do so for me you know and when you talk about grace over guilt um, and I've heard that before, and now I'm in a space where I want grace to be at the foundation of everything, the elegance of all that I do um, and how I move. I want to start in excellence, um, and starting in excellence is knowing that I am of excellence, right? And so these topics that we've had, they've been very therapeutic, um, especially when you think about some of the topics around imposter syndrome, you know, self-care, et cetera. And you're thinking, oh, I'm the only person that's talking about this to myself. Then you realize, mm-hmm. oh, there's a whole lot of other Black women <laughs> that are, so I'm not alone. So it reminded me that I'm not alone. Uh, this podcast in the last four seasons has reminded me that I have community. Mm-hmm. And not community because I'm a doctor, not community because um uh, a black woman but I'm I have community because I have people that genuinely want to learn from one another about life because there is no book on it and so we are only experts of our own experiences and when we bring all of that together there's a room full of experts a uh, community of experts um, and they so happen to be black women and so for me that is now the foundation of everything that I do and what I do it for is I move with grace and if I'm moving with grace, if it's not of me or not for me, it has no desire to want to be in my way. Uh, so I am thankful for just the space. Uh, Valerie, you mentioned space um, and being able to take that space everywhere. So the season of grace. Mm. We've been through some things. <laughs> right. But we still... <laughs> Well, but you know, also, I think it's important for us to really sit with the fact that we need to be giving ourselves grace and all of that, because 
we're not over COVID. And whether we've lost folks to COVID, been exposed to COVID ourselves or our family and our friends have, it's been a lot. And we're yet and still in a season of a great resignation and folks who've been in higher ed for 35 plus years, you know, are leaving. Mm -hmm. And that's a loss. If anything, you know, some of these people we've been connected to, I think about the people that I know who've left been really closely connected to and see them as like sister connections and so giving ourselves grace in that you know sometimes people have to make the best decision for them mm-hmm. you know I think that's oft that's also something that we can be thinking about in terms of this concept of grace because it's been a lot it has it has been a lot and I think the higher ed space and the, even the conversation that's happening in these spaces are very different mm-hmm. in terms of people. Not only do we see people leaving in mass, you know, but we see the people who are staying, you know, are, are kind of in a, in a few different camps. One is I'm trying to get out of this place, right. you know, mm-hmm. or like extreme exhaustion or burnout or underpaid, underappreciated, undervalued you know, or simply just comfortable, you know, like there, it is people leaving and going into, um, even they're, even if they're not valued for what they bring to the table, that there's a value in the money that they're getting able to earn, you know, that that wasn't existing and just people making different choices, which is something that Mm -hmm. we've really seen in the higher education space to, to date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the, you know, like you said, the conversations are different. For me, I, I'm having more conversations or people are initiating more conversations with me around entrepreneurship and seeing the worth and the work that they do and how they can utilize that outside of the space that they're in on a campus, um, which is tied to, you know, professional development, which I haven't, I, they see me do it, right? Um, but it was always, I can't do that. But now I'm hearing more and more, especially black women say, I think I can, and I want to learn how, you know? And so for me, that's exciting. That is, that is really exciting for me because now you see your potential. Now you see the potential that I've been talking to you about, <laughs> mm. uh, but you see it, right? Cause I can't force mm-hmm. you to do anything and I can't force you to change until you're willing to change, et cetera. Uh, but now all those seeds that I've planted and began to nourish, I'm starting to see them grow. And that's exciting for me in this season. When you think about, I guess another question I have even with that, I think so much of how we operate in our working positions extends of you know, each one, reach one, reaching back this idea that I don't exist in this space just for myself. Do you think that other professionals who are maybe not folks of color, do you think that they operate similarly? Like thinking that I am in this position, I need to be grooming other people in this. I need to be making sure that if there's somebody I'm identifying who wants to come into the same space, I need to make sure that they're working on these types, these characteristics, these qualities. Like to me, that that is a different mindset than the, you know that one begins in that position. And I don't know that everybody operates similarly. And I'm wondering how much of that is a cultural gendered kind of thing that happens like when we're in these positions. Yeah, I I, I agree. I don't think everyone's doing it. Um, I do know of some people that are not black that are doing it, which goes back to the culture. And mm. I say culture, not, not the racial aspect of culture, just the culture of who you are as a person, you know, uh, you had, cause I've, a lot of my white counterparts have been that for me. Wow. Um, and so, so for me, a lot of the places that I've been in, um, has been because of white folks that I have trust and I know that they're doing it out because this is who they are not, because, oh, she's a Black woman and she works at HBC, those types of things, right? Um, but out of who they are, the culture of who they are, that they want to, they literally want to see me excel. 
Um, mm. And that's a different feeling. Mm. So there, there are some people that are doing it that don't look like us. Um, and then there's people that look like us that don't want to do it. There's that. And I think the other thing that people really don't say is that other other races do it, but they don't necessarily, how do I say it? Well, I can say it however. It's not about preparation. It's about hooking them up and giving them jobs that they may not potentially be qualified for, but because you think that they could do them, you know? Right. So I have seen a lot of that happening in the higher education space. Well, let me bring somebody because I trust them that mm -hmm. I'm bring them mm -hmm. into this space. Mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. I do think that there have been people who mentor, people who sponsor, people who, you know, do all of the, the, the good work to help people be prepared to take on um, some of the roles so having conversation, especially um, with folks in the, the cultural center spaces that we are a training ground essentially for who is going to come next. And it is the skills and the, the, the giftings. And then we like, listen, we, I'm, I'm always like, okay, so we should be checking in with our folks to see where do you want to be? What have your goals changed? Where are you aligned? And, and I, I don't, that specifically for higher education, as much as we talk about leadership development and growth and pipeline and all that, we don't necessarily do that for our staff members. We yeah. allow them to get immersed in the work. And, and if you're good at it, it take, if you're good at what you do, it takes a lot for that leader to say they don't want to mess with that chemistry, right? Even if it's a detriment to you. I, I do think that that's why we have people leaving, honestly, because they mm -hmm. need growth potential in themselves. And we need leaders in the higher education spaces that um, are not just out for making sure that their job is, is executed with ease. But I certainly believe that um, as people are brought into certain spaces and they are developed up and out and over, that there mm -hmm. will be more people still to come in that you will be able to do that same work again. So, um, yeah, I think it's all about perspective, but I, I do see a lot of mentoring. I, I am a, I am a person that mentor, like I'm asking my staff members constantly, okay, what y'all want to do? You, are you look at this job description you know, what do you like about it? What do you want to, you know, because I want them to know that I'm not trying to keep you here forever. That part. Cause mm -hmm. then the, the flip side to that, is you have people that aren't willing to, they'll say they provide professional development, uh, leadership development to their staff, but it's very basic. It's about skill sets, really, uh, but not tying in the behavior of it because for some of those supervisors, um, if I develop my staff in a way that will have them excel, but I'm not developed in that way, there's that you know it, it's kind of like a sabotage effect sabotage effect like I want them to be developed but I'm afraid if I develop them too well they're gonna leave and who's gonna do the work because <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. that's the thing though I mean because when we even think about kind of how supervision works I mean a lot of us who've been supervisors weren't really trained in right. kind of knowing how to do it I mean higher ed is 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 big about put throwing you in it and letting you you learn how to swim but how many people does that hurt as you're learning how to swim you know yeah. and so I mean I think I think that's ideal but I, I would say that I mean for the past couple of years I've had to seek out mentorship in ways because I specifically wanted mentorship to look in a certain way um, and I needed it from kind of this racialized and gendered perspective um, that was unique and that was useful because I felt like having an, a mentor that identified similar to me, that they're gonna be able to help me to how to navigate these spaces um, where I'm often the one and the only. Um, yeah. In a way that, although a non-mentor of color could be useful, I felt like I would need, I needed a, a unique level of support um, and for them to speak to something that was actually happening. But I would say that, you know, I mean, I think about early, early on in my experience in higher ed, I didn't have a mentor. I certainly didn't have a great supervisor, you know, early on. And so, I mean, to the folks who, you know, are looking for that type of support, because I love this idea that as a supervisor, you're looking 
for kind of growing, you know, growing, growing the, you know, the professionals and meeting with them and talking about what do you see your goals and that kind of a thing. But I would argue I've never, I have not had a supervisor like that until kind of most recently. So how does someone find kind of, you know, that type of support, um, that intentionality in terms of mentoring and developing you to kind of move out and through? Yeah. I, so I've, I've, I haven't had that either. And before, and I've only been in higher ed, this is my 10th year, before that I was in banking. And so when I think about leadership development or growing, my first instinct is not to go to my supervisor. Mm. And that started when I started working at a factory and then a bank and then higher ed. It was never to go to um, a supervisor. It was go one, it was me to identify what is it that I want to know? Who are the experts in this? Mm. And so that required a Google search <laughs> and finding people that were connected to those types of individuals. So it was, for me, leadership development did not come and I was not looking for it to come or mentorship to come from any supervisor. Mm. And I think, you know, going back to what Ann said about perspective, you know, you have to ask yourself in terms of perception of leadership development, whose responsibility is it? Ah. Uh, and whose co-responsibility is oh, that's good. That's good. And I think we, we typically go in situations and assume that, oh, since you're, you know, high, in terms of hierarchy, you're above me, you're supposed to teach me how to be better at my job. But in reality, there are leadership skills that a supervisor has that a non-supervisor don't have, and not saying that one is better than the other. There are leadership skills that we have that are similar, but it's the leadership behavior that we attach to those skills that make the bigger difference in who we become. Mm -hmm. That was well, well said. <laughs> well, well said. I, 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 I tell people all the time, though, like, you know, leadership development in higher ed is interesting because we don't come from spaces where leadership development is taught is modeled mm -hmm. and so obviously a yes. lot of people are doing the opposite if they have bad experiences with leaders then they go into their leadership experience and i'm going to do something different right you know and then if they have really great experiences they want to mimic a lot of those good experiences um which in many ways is good it's a foundation it's a start mm -hmm. but i think until we get to a program especially a, a, a place in our programs especially in our higher ed programs that are training grounds for students how many leadership courses do they have right and then who would teach it that part. because for real there we go you know like that is not it's, it's like when we talk have this conversation about faculty members and how do faculty members learn how to teach because they don't. they don't they don't learn how to teach and so when we mm -mm. wonder why we have issues in classrooms well okay well you you're expecting people to do things that inherently that they have not been taught to do and they have not been corrected developed if they have not gotten it right, right. you know in some ways so all of this has been on our minds <laughs> clearly <laughs> <laughs> we've been having these I mean yeah. having these conversations in different communities um and and realizing that i'm hearing the same thing yeah that part yeah as long as we do our part this <laughs> is our part. part so can i just say this is our part the part where we gather you know and i'm just gonna say like we we it's been a long time but also we have realized we got to take care of ourselves yes we have to practice what we preach. If we are encouraging you to, you know, take care of yourself and, you know, have boundaries, all these things, then we, we're doing the same thing. But we are happy. I'm happy to be back in the community with y'all. But, you know, part of that self-care kicked in, I do believe, when we realized that we were tapping. First of all, we all completed our doctorate degrees. Mm -hmm. And for most people, it's always that question of what's next. And so we have tapped into our what next life. <laughs> yes, that's and good. Didn't really, and we didn't really factor in the self-care. We just kept yeah. going because it was because somewhere or something said it was expected expected of us to start writing and do all these other things. 
And so we just kept going until we got to a point, I think we had, you know, a conversation a couple of times back where we're ready to record, but when we, our human bodies aren't ready. (laughs) (laughs) And so being able to, to see that and say, we're all writing, we're all publishing, we're all traveling, doing presentations, being keynote speakers and whatnot. And, all of that stuff, but we at some point had to say, where does the self-care come in? Although we see, saw and see this podcast as a space of comfort and community and we enjoy talking and you all listening, we still need to navigate our own personal self-care in the midst of all that we do. And I think that's where we were at and that's where we are. And, and also we can't pour from an empty vessel. I mean, we can't, essentially preach this to folks and you know but yet not operating in this space of taking care of ourselves while doing that because we wouldn't be authentic and one of the one of the beautiful things about our podcast and we hope that you know, one of the things you this resonated with you all listening is that we we try really hard to be our authentic selves we are our authentic selves you know and so and part of that is recognizing when we need time um i know that for me this year even kind of connecting to the grace thing is looking at my current responsibilities and the current things. And I'm saying, okay, where does self-care exist within my current schedule? What am I doing intentionally this week to make sure that as I'm pouring into my students and all of that, where am I stopping to say I'm pouring now back into me every week? And I've never done that, you know? And, you know, I've been my, my, my friends and my family have talked to me a long time about boundaries and I've never really been good at it. I mean, student affairs folks, there's some of us who are great with it and other ones who are not. And I was on the end where I wasn't. I mean, students had my cell phone. I was calling it, you know, doing things at 11, 8, 11 p.m. and all of that. But that was burning me out. Yeah. Um, so I think for me this year, a part of that was me looking at my schedule to say, what are my times in responding to emails? What are my times in, what's my cutoff? What's my cutoff for work stuff and family stuff and really being rigid about that? Um, that's part of giving myself grace to say, what does that look like? And it doesn't mean that I don't love students. It doesn't mean that I don't care. It doesn't mean that I'm still not the student affairs professional who's ride or die, but I don't want to die as I'm doing my job. Yeah, I can care, but I don't need to die while I'm doing it. That's a, <laughs> That's that needs to stop. <laughs> like I care so much about you that I'm gonna take the time to care for myself so I can be whole. Come on. When you need me. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing. <laughs> that's a real thing. And you know, it hit me. The what we I think about in 2019 when we started this. And then April 2019, and I think it was October 2019, we went to our first conference together. And we talked about just the overview of digital community and how this podcast was part of that community for Black women. It's 2000, what is this? 22. (laughs) We're going back to that same conference. Yeah. And that conference theme is about, you know, well-being in the Black community, but also humanizing. And mm-hmm. so it just hit me that in hearing us talk, what we are beginning to do, whether we realize it or not, that we are humanizing grace. Mm. It is yeah. no longer just a word or a model of practice. We are humanizing grace, that that refinement of movement, how we move in spaces. We're humanizing how we move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Listen, is so I would ask the question, what y'all want to see for this this uh season, but it sounds like we're gonna be humanizing grace in this season. <laughs> there it is. I Dr. K said it and I second oh, yeah. I second that emotion. <laughs> you know, I just emotion is past. <laughs> even if you think about life, you know, since 2019, and then the topic 
we've been talking about topics, but we haven't really been humanizing it. You know, we've been recognizing the human in it, uh, but we it's kind of just going with the flow of the motion. But now that we've listened and kind of gathered and applied it to ourselves, et cetera, it's now, how do I humanize myself in terms of this aspect of grace? Mm. I'm not just going to say, I give myself grace. I'm going to show you what that looks like now. Yeah. I'm going to accept that I'm worthy of grace. Don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That I matter. You do. We can, we can shout to the rooftops that black lives matter, but let me show you this black lives mattering. That part. Watch me work. Mm -hmm. And that black lives matter, not just in the killing of black people, but also in the preserving of black people. Because yes. mm. I, I definitely that that needs to extend, you know. Because I often, uh, man, I do think about like, you know, what are our parallels to that? Like, you know, this idea that we are in many ways and have been conditioned to really kill ourselves for higher education mm. and in higher education for it, right? So, in pursuit of higher education. And then in the field of higher ed, you know, um, mm. and so much so that we haven't, in a lot of ways, it's very hard to find what is, what our passion is about yeah. it. Mm. What we like, I, and I would challenge people to answer that question. Like, what makes you passionate about higher education anymore? Like, what is that thing for you? What does that look like? And mm how does that continue to fuel the fire that you need to keep going? That's a good question. And how are you taking care of yourself within that fire and that passion? Because if, if, yeah, go ahead. Because if we're not careful, that'll become our idol and our end all and be all to where there's no room for yourself. And higher ed would be completely fine with that. So there has to be this space. I remember I was talking to somebody a while back um, and she had been in the field for 20 something years. And she's like, I think balance in higher ed is an oxymoron. Like, I don't think it's not possible. You you do this job, you know that you're doing it. You're never going to have your own time. It's always going to be, you know, the time of the student. There is no balance. There's so she was like, so there's no such thing. And so much of supervisors that we've had in the past or could, could be current supervisors that we have operate from that same mentality. But yeah. that's why people are leaving. And it's not just millennials who are leaving. It's seasoned people who are like, no ma'am, no ham. Yeah, the dis- disrespect is you can't uh, cover it up anymore. <laughs> and when you think about that passion for higher ed, even if that passion means for you to leave, come on then that's what you got to do <laughs> you know because it's okay to choose yourself it, it, you have to every single day because if you don't who's going to want to choose you mm. and if they're choosing you it's because they know that you're not going to that you don't have enough in yourself to choose yourself that you're always going to choose them <sighs> i know Black that women, yeah. for me my passion because i actually been thinking about that <laughs> um it's the training and development of folks. And it doesn't have to be students, it can be staff, faculty. That is my passion. And when I think about it, I don't like the administrative work of higher ed or any space. <laughs> I like when I can work one-on-one or as a group and watch people develop and grow. That's the passion for me. Like I was able to, I was asked to be a keynote speaker for our student employee orientation and in a room full of students, I had this whole idea of, okay, let me do the presentation kind of, you know, we talk about what are the, how can they uh, use this employment for their career goals? You know, the traditional way of talking about transferable skills. And then something just felt in me like, this ain't, this is not how you do it. Like, this is not you. I was like, it's not me. And I told my story, my personal story of how I got to where I am in higher ed. 
And that's what the students wanted and needed because afterwards they kept coming up saying, oh my gosh, your story, I can resonate. Um, had even a student from the Virgin Islands come up and I was just, it was just in awe for me. And that's when I knew this is me in higher ed. I want to engage with students, faculty and staff in this way. I don't want to be behind a desk doing it. So whatever that means for me coming next, that's what's going to be. <laughs> but that's but I think that's. But I think that's powerful though, right? Because how many times, I don't know, I think back to, you know, master's programs, you know, that are our initial conditioning of this field. How many times does somebody sit with you to say, what is it that fuels you? What a passion, you know, connecting your passion to purpose and all of that. Like, I don't remember ever having a conversation like that. It was just like, what do you like to do? Do you like plan events? Go to student activities. Like, or you want to, you know, support students of color, go to multicultural affairs. Like there was very much like this, prescriptive piece instead of kind of like let's take five steps back and let's take maybe three more to say what's your purpose what's your passion like what's fueling you you know to really connect that to what it is you do because it may not be a traditional way that you think about higher ed it may be kind of you know maybe a pipeline maybe working in high schools like there's a whole like there's a piece that I feel like sometimes is missing when we talk about passion and purpose particularly within higher education I didn't have any of those conversations. Uh, mm -mm. I went into housing because actually I don't even know why I went into housing. I, <laughs> I didn't even know higher ed was, you know, it was a, a career path. And I think the the most lateral position, because my master's was in counseling was, oh, you'll do well in like housing because that's what that is about. And I got in there and was like, well, it's not really what it's about, but here we are. Um, but I forced myself to believe that was my passion to work with students mm. in housing, um, in that space. And as time has gone on and having the conversations with you all and on this podcast, I realized, no, that's not, that, mm -mm. <laughs> that was just an exit <laughs> off my path for me to really hone in what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I see this changes not just in my like career life, but in all of my life, like in, in sorority work, community work, yeah. personal things. Like I see the same um, things coming up over and over again. I, I really only want to be connected to what I'm supposed to be connected to. Yes. Like that's the season in life. Like that's it. Right. And if I'm supposed to be connected, then that connection will happen. And I don't need to necessarily fight for it. Right. It it, it will exist because it sh you know it because it will. Um. And yeah, and that's that on that. Yeah. So I'm curious of what you know, what y'all been doing in this time away. <laughs> what y'all been? I, I have been reading books. So I don't know if y'all saw this challenge, the uh, reading 20 books by Black women this year, the melanated reader who I am, first of all, I've become a little bit, not obsessed, but just very connected to <laughs> Black Bookstagram <laughs> on Instagram. Okay. And one of like, uh, what is what is it called? You said Black Bookstagram. It's like Black Bookstagram. So these, there are these like, um, influencers who are like book influencers and they are so phenomenal one is melanated reader always black spines and binds pages galore and i mean y'all i have had a good time i read my first 20 books in like by june i'm on halfway through my second 20 books by black women and i'm reading other books i've just been a reading just getting it all i'm reading this one book right now that's very interesting it's called they were our property mm. it's a book mm. about white women who were slave owners listen uh, it is so good what y'all i've just been into the the reading of the books what is that you said they were our property they were our property i'm gonna find the author for you because somebody told me about it at a conference, um, I think it was at NCOR, National Conference on Race and Ethnicity. And when she told me about it, I said, 
you cannot be telling like you this cannot be the name of the book but it's it's called they they just property white women as slave owners in the american south and it's by stephanie e jones rogers very good book very very and if you have not read i read red lip theology very good book oh i wanted to read that very good book really so you know i've been reading i've been reading did we i'm all over the place but did we tell them the other places that they're gonna see us this this fall not yet we haven't got that yet okay (laughs) i've been reading that's that's probably why because i've been reading and not writing so i've been been writing um for the last year i've been working or co-editing a book a new direction book um and it is in its final stages so hopefully it's getting published real soon this fall yeah thank you had a book chapter published working on another one right now so i've been doing a lot of writing i'm tired uh but the experience (laughs) of it all has been rewarding especially as a um adjunct and when i have writing um, assignments for my students i utilize that editor mindset to help them be better writers right um so it's been beneficial in that way so writing and i've doing i've been doing a, a good number of consulting and speaking and traveling and uh doing that so i am very thankful for people seeing the expert um teach that i have in assessment and leadership development and allowing me to serve on their campuses so i've been been moving and shaking and getting some money. I love it. Love it. Um, for this summer, um, this was a reset for me. I kind of shared a little bit earlier in that um, I wanted to kind of really refocus and kind of to reframe and I was able to kind of take a step away and not teach. Um, but I did receive a grant, a writing grant this summer. So um, I've been also, listen, I've been also um, writing. I'm still in the process of needing more participants for my study. I'm kind of exploring um, the emotional, physical, and spiritual implications of women of color who teach diversity and social justice courses. Um, because one of the things that that happened to me, there was a lot of challenging things that happened um, while I was teaching diversity courses for K through 12 um, kind of administrators. And so I wanted to really kind of explore what happens to women of color to see, kind of share those stories. So I've been writing that um, as well as um, uh, moved, not moved, not moved um, like states, but moved to a different house. And it's pretty much what I've wanted kind of all along. So it's good. Um, But I was also just really able to focus on me, focus on my health, um and really kind of starting the semester refreshed um because I think this also was the first time that I really paused because one of the things I think you know Dr. Kay had shared in that you know when you're working your dissertation and you're working full-time and all those things you're just conditioned to work and work and work and work and work and so I had been encouraged by friends and family to take a break but this was the first time that I've done that. And I just want to do that again. Um, and to really just clear my schedule out in the summer and only do things that I want to do. Um, I have thought about consulting. Um, I haven't shared that with folks yet. I need to flesh out the idea in my head before I verbalize it. Um, out there now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've actually thought about it. Um, it's DEI, but it looks a little different from how I'm thinking about it. Um, and yeah. from how, from who I've heard folks talk about and how they situate it um I want to do it a little different um and for the folks that I want to do it for it's going to be also different so I'm gonna wait until I don't want to share it and and somebody go oh I want to do that um but um so yeah I don't know I'm just really I have joy that that sound weird like I'm just really I'm in a really positive happy space and I just thank God for it because you know this pandemic has been a lot. And so I just got to reset. 
and I'm thankful for the reset. So, but I do want to read. So, you know, Dr. Ann shared some books. Um, audiobooks is my life. And so I did, I, I read like one audiobook this summer. I'm horrible. And Anne has 19 on me, but. <laughs> it's a good audiobook though. Tabitha Brown. That book was very good. That's her line. She says very good, but no, it was very good for real. Um, very good book. I'm gonna send y'all my grid so that y'all can see everything that I've read. And let's just be clear, I have been reading black romance novels. <laughs> there are some good ones. That's what I want you to know. Gotcha. <laughs> I, the books that I read are more towards, you know, I guess that personal development and you know leadership development. Um, I'm facilitating a leadership program and the book that I have my participants reading is um, I can't think of, I can't call it I don't want to miss a word of it it's in a pit in a pit on a snowy day with a lion I have heard of that book because in a, in a, I've read it twice and you think I would know the title by heart yeah in a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day by Mark um, Batterson. And it's a book that uses one scripture that talks about um, different aspects of life and leadership, like um, unlearning fears, embracing uncertainty, size and opportunity, etc. But it's based off of one particular scripture in the Bible. And I've read it twice and it's just refreshing. Um, and for me, I'm in this space of alignment, spiritual alignment, and mm. I don't want to do anything that takes me off of alignment of my purpose. Um, and so that's the space that I'm in and wanting to connect with people that, you know, even if you don't agree with that, but I can help you move into that space, right? Um, of what you need for alignment because I noticed that in the conversations even you know for me still I'm not perfect uh, a lot of times we operate out of alignment and sometimes we know and sometimes we don't and just like a car every now and then so many miles you got to go what you got to go get an alignment mm -hmm. uh, so <laughs> that's the space I'm in is uh, um, getting that alignment uh, so that I can want to be a better person for myself but be a better person for the people that God has assigned to me. Mm. Um, so that's why I'm in. Yeah. But Anne, you uh, so eloquently uh, introduced the, the fact that we will be in different spaces, uh, that people can find us. Uh, and I think I mentioned earlier, uh, we are headed to the asylum. Am I saying that right? Asyla Conference. Asyla. Asyla <laughs> Conference <laughs> uh, in Montgomery. I don't know why I said it like that. It just feel like I just need this Montgomery. <laughs> I can't. I'm not able. <laughs> Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, so excited. <laughs> uh, so that, once again, that was the first conference we went to um, as podcast co-hosts. And we're headed back there again and that the the conference is the association for the study of african american life and history so that's carter g woodson's um organization yes and, and let me do a quick shout out to my good friend dr r wayne woodson who is a direct descendant of carter g woodson shout out to him um but yeah we're gonna be in montgomery Alabama. I've never been. I've never been. Montgomery, but Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> I am excited. I, you know, this yeah. is my second time being in Alabama this year because I was there in Mobile mm -hmm. in what, March? Mm -hmm. In March. My mom's side of the family are from Alabama. I've only been once, and that was Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham when I went to Miles college and that was some time ago about two or three years ago um so yeah we're gonna be we're gonna be there in alabama we're gonna uh, be right there the end of september and then uh we headed somewhere else in uh november right las vegas <laughs> we are going to i'm thinking i'm about to say the other thing i'm going to but yes 
Las Vegas for Ash. Ash. The Association for the Study of Higher Education. Is that research, that is? research in higher education? Research mm-hmm. in higher education. There's no R in the you know what is in my business. But <laughs> Ash is in Las Vegas. Yes. We'll be presenting there as well. Um that's gonna be a, a good trip before Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And that'll be my birthday week. Oh, so. Got to turn up. We're going to have a good old time. In Vegas? I've, I've never been to Vegas. We, my sister and I planned a Vegas trip, but COVID happened and it was supposed to be my graduation trip. Oh, and we canceled it. <laughs> Y'all heard it here first. Say less. So what happened in Vegas? Because what happens in Vegas? Vegas. Vegas. We won't even talk. Y'all won't even know that we was. I mean, come to Ash if that's what you want. Come to. Yeah, come to Ash. Check us out. Um, excited about that. But yeah, that's what we got coming up. I'm excited. Um, this is a good. This is a good season, and we're just excited to hang with well, you. I want to celebrate you all. Um, because. I saw a flyer, and and you're a keynote. Uh, where are you going? <laughs> That's what we're going when Ann comes back. We're gonna we're gonna get her to tell y'all where she's going. But uh, Valerie, which what do you have going on that you we can celebrate you? Oh, um, um. Well, I, uh, I'm alive. We're celebrated. Don't you have some articles that are about to be published? Oh, already you know published? what, girl? You know what? Yeah. So I had one book that was, uh, or one book. I had one um, publication that essentially I talked about academic hazing as a black woman doctoral student, mm. and uh, that's been that's been out. Super excited. Uh, there is a book chapter that we just got clearance so that's coming out um and we kind of right it's called strange fruit um and we kind of talk about kind of black women in higher education and the the traumas the kind of the intersectional traumas that they experience and we kind of ground it with crt as well as black feminist thought um and then um i have a potential book we're waiting to see if we get approved so that'll be an edited book so we're excited if that gets if that gets accepted the knowing that i'm gonna ask for people to submit every five seconds (laughs) (laughs) that's your low-key way of saying be ready (laughs) be ready be ready be ready and that'll be you know kind of looking at differentiated academic advising for minoritized students well congrats to you Thank you. Oh, congrats to y'all. And we was talking about you too. Oh, okay. So yes, where am I going? Listen, I have a dog and my dog be going all the way in. Kelly's dog be so quiet. Kofi be so quiet. And Buffy is nuck if you buck personified. Let somebody come out. (laughs) She coming at you. So I will be going to um, New Mexico. (laughs) And I'm excited to go to New Mexico. Um, for the Association of Black Culture Centers Conference. And it's, you know, in my philosophy about conferences, it is a smaller conference. So you have your bigger conference like NASPAs, your ACPAs, the, the bigger conferences. And then there are conferences for those different spaces that you work in, perhaps. Um, and ABCC is to me, it's my space for working in cultural center work. Those are my people, and and it, it, the name of the org is the Association of Black Culture Centers. But really, any cultural center, multicultural. We got Asian American, um, uh, Latino resource centers. Like that is that's our space, and um. And we'll be there. And Ibram X. Kennedy will also be key- keynoting that conference. Correct. Come on. Come on. So, um, I've never been to New Mexico. And so I'm excited to be able to go. Oh, that's exciting. Keynote speakers. I know, on, y'all. That's my first time keynoting. Well, for real, for real. But I was like, oh, this is, this is nice. 
So I'm excited because um, I really do believe that it's spaces like that that are training grounds, mm-hmm. that are spaces. And um, they even have scholarships. So they will offer you a scholarship. If you want to attend, you can apply for a scholarship. I encourage people to do that. And I, it's just, it's the culture for me. It's it's a really nice conference. So I enjoy it every year. I see what you did. It's the culture for you. At the cultural conference. Yeah, at the culture. <laughs> you, saw, you saw what I did? That just every now and again, I try to give a little something, a little sprinkling of something. I love it. I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. So this is going to be, you know, I just, I also sense that it's just this season of just moving, like not moving with intention, right? Like publishing and, you know, keynoting and consulting and, all of that jazz, you know, um, in addition to, and just, and just living a purposeful and happy life, y'all, that's the goal. And not just by words and definition, but really doing it. Correct. I'm excited. We on the come up. We all doing stuff, so. All the way up. So y'all, what I want y'all to do is like, stay connected with us. Keep in contact yeah. with us. Keep listening. You know, definitely click the little check mark. I know there's a check mark on Apple Podcasts, but click it so that, you know, you can stay connected to uh, us and, and here because we are really, there's some evolution that is happening. Yeah. And, and this definitely can be a space of sharing what you are doing that may be beneficial to someone else who listens. Um, especially on our Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, so we, we, we just want to share the knowledge, help each other out. We are in community together. Uh, we want to see us all do well and do great and elevate. So that's, that's what we're doing in this season of grace. As it no, it wasn't just grace. It was, it was, what was the season? It wasn't just grace. What was it? Humanized Come on, Dr. K, get grace. it right. <laughs> the season of humanized grace. Humanized. Humanized. That's different. That's different. <laughs> like the anointed different then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> humanized grace. Humanized mm. grace. Yeah. Yeah. That means you can't just talk about it. You Gotta certainly be have to be about it. Mm-hmm. For sure. What was the, you know, faith without works? But we ain't going to get into that. We're not. What I will say, <laughs> though, is it is it is also operating at such a level of courage. Y'all, I don't know. I Well, I do know. Y'all been doing some courageous things, you know, and I just feel that way. I feel like I drove to Atlanta by myself. That's like a 10-hour drive. Y'all know I'm be doing stuff like that. That's Ooh. <laughs> and I did it and I spent the night in another city like I just I just did it you know I've been to four weddings I love weddings just FYI I love weddings I don't know what it is but I love them <laughs> five if you include me watching Brad Loves Judy but that's my business because <laughs> um, I love that show but um yeah just doing things that I probably would not have done before and hoping to model something different because I realized that this next generation coming after us, they need the model, boy. They need yeah. the model. And, and, and they need, we can't just say it. We got to really show them, like, because they will leave in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a very entrepreneur mindset and spirit among them. So, um, yeah, we got to. We gotta come and be courageous in what we do and stand up for what we believe in. Come on. Even if we stand up by ourselves. Alone. Oh, that's just more crazy. space for me to shout if I'm by myself. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I got a question for y'all. And maybe these are some of the closest. I got a question for y'all though. What was your summer song? Like the song that just got it for you this summer? Ooh. Did y'all have one? Like something that was like, yep, that was it for me. I stumped y'all. Think, I feel it don't like, even have to be a new song. So I don't know if y'all been on Instagram following the music. She had like um she had, it was a whole channel about black during Black Music Month where every day she would put up a different prompt and then she took it all through the summer 
asking for like different songs for different prompts. It was like music sermon, I think is the Instagram handle. I was jack jamming. And it made me think, what was my, what's my summer song? I don't know what my summer, I listen to a, I've listened to a lot of music mm-hmm. simply so that I can play it on the radio. But there's, I can't think of one particular song. I've been listening to more albums. For example, I just finished listening to Ari Lennox's new album. And, oh, it uh, came out today. Yes. I'm, all I can just say is her name. Ari Lennox. That's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's the comment. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's, oh. that's all I got. <laughs> wow. That's all I got. Oh. I, uh, let's see. Oh, I forgot to say what I went to this summer. I went to go see the Maverick City. Uh, that's all got my entire life listen we were the only ones with masks up in there the only (laughs) ones but I cried shouted worshipped wanted to roll out I feel like the whole section where I was at we was all like sopranos and we sang every Kirk Franklin we was up the whole time I mean at one point it was so hot I had to like step away and take my mask off but so for me, that Kingdom Kingdom uh, album book one, that was it. Yeah. I got my entire life. And to actually hear Chandler and Naomi, and they sound just like they do on the album. And at one point, because we saw it in Kansas City, at one point, Naomi like is on the ground, like worshiping, like beating the ground. I was like, hey, 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 hey. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I, I listen. I'm I'm a worshiper, and I was like, "Oh, don't take a see Naomi as she did." So that you was said, amazing. You saying that reminded me. Bless me would be mm. my summer song. Yeah. The the beat and the lyrics. Yeah. Bless me so that I can bless other people. You know, in in a nutshell, that's what that was saying. Like that is who I am, and so that song would be my theme right there um i went to chris brown's uh chris brown and i don't know which baby it was i think it's little baby. <laughs> i think he's little baby I little baby, little baby. <laughs> uh yeah i went to their concert in new jersey so i was in uh philadelphia and then they had a show in jersey so i went and it was re- it was my first time seeing chris brown and that boy can dance that boy that was- <laughs> he, he, he sang too but he he did a it was an awesome show um, so I did do that. Yeah. But bless me. Yeah. That's a good one. You got me over here looking up Maverick City tickets to see where the rest of their concerts and shows. <laughs> got my entire life. I want to tell you that was worth it. It was a long concert. Like we we drove the same day there and back. And I was like at 3 a.m. I was like, I'm gonna make it home. I'm gonna make oh, it wow. home. Yeah, because everybody had to go to work in the morning. And I was like, except me, I was like, I can sleep. I can really stay in Kansas City. And everybody was like, no, we're we in the same car. Right. You can't. We, we came together. I will leave together. When we, we got it. But yeah, bless me. That would be my theme song for this song. That's a good I choice. Time, I don't believe I have one. Um. <laughs> Did you ask us and you said you didn't have one? <laughs> so, because I've been listening to so much music this summer yeah and I don't know I just uh I think about what you know PJ Morton I have been listening to a lot of his stuff like well, I'm not gonna lie that Kiera Shear album still hitting for me like there is mm. a song she does called Big 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 I think it was kind of impromptu yeah that did it that that just about did it Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so but yeah all right y'all music is everything music yeah is everything. so all that to say we are excited about the season that's coming up season five we are here we are back uh make sure you follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at black women voices i think instagram is at black women voices podcast uh, so follow us. Let us know that you're there. Um, DM us any topics that you want us to talk about or 
any guests uh, that you think would be good. We're entertaining it. We ain't going to say yes right away, but we are entertaining it. Um, but we just want to engage with you and um, make sure that you are also part of the community, not just in the listening, but um, in the other aspects as well. And also, if you're in Montgomery, Alabama, at Asala, then come see us. And in Las Vegas, uh, for Ash, be sure to come see us then too. But uh, it has been a pleasure, ladies. We're back, season five. I'm signing out, Dr. K, out here in North Carolina, North Carolina. Dr. Ann in Illinois. Dr. V in Kansas.